0: That's indeed.com slash Blue Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Sports Terms and Conditions Apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on owner's box. Head on over to rotaballercom backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first-time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to black backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. And welcome back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode three forty five. Going to talk about some recent fantasy baseball news, a uh, Roto Fanatic's new tool. Well, not new, new to me, but new uh, barrel boards, and talk some point league strategy, which we don't get to talk about a ton. In order to do so, we have a first time guest of the show. Really looking forward to talking to this individual. You can find us where at Roto Fanatic at Fantasy Pros. He's on Twitter at Carm's Clubhouse, Carmen Mayorano. How are we doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Bubba. Thanks so much for
2: having me on. Super pumped to talk baseball with you tonight.
1: Yeah, no, I'm very excited to do this. Um, it's going to be fun before we kind of get cracking on all this. I want to let the listeners know, like, obviously I told them where they could find you, but like, what you got going on, a little background about who Carmen is. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So um, I got started in with Fantasy Pros about five years ago. I started at, started at the bottom rung of the ladder, was doing game recaps um, night and day, it felt like it was pretty monotonous, but I think it really helped me develop my writing and it helped me stick to that, that commitment of writing every day, which was super helpful. And then after that, um, started in DFS, started doing long form articles. I uh, got all the free perks on FanDuel and DraftKings for doing those. So just kind of learned DFS strategy a little bit. Was happy to write about value plays. And then, um, last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of evergreen strategy content for fantasy pros, um, about a year ago, started my own website, carmsclubhouse.com. That kind of comes from um, Backyard Baseball, the nostalgic video game. Like 20 years ago, Pablo Sanchez, you know, the best video game baseball player of all time, as I'm sure you're aware, Bubba. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Matt Williams wrote a fanatic, kind of noticed my work I was doing on um, some similar type of um, not barrel boards, but expected batting average by a uh, type of contact. Yeah, he reached out to me. He, um, he asked me multiple to- multiple times to join Roto Fanatic. Finally, mm-hmm. uh, finally gave in, said yes. Uh, got on their podcast uh, a handful of times throughout the short season last year, and uh, it's been going well. We all have great chemistry, so I kind of joined as a co-owner uh, over the off season. And you know, I'm working with Paul Palmamino, Matt, Mike Govier, You were just on his podcast, and uh, mm-hmm. Crosby Spencer, and we're just having a blast coming up with new tools, trying to help you guys
1: win fantasy leagues. Yeah, it's awesome. First, like a couple of things you mentioned there that I think are great just kind of words of advice to people. That when you started out, you started at the bottom, worked your way up. That's what we all do. Like you don't just walk into the door and you know, you got this. Like sometimes the, the being the humble person is starting at the bottom, it, it gets you to where you want to be. So that's that's a very important thing. And then you also mentioned you just right every day. And I think that's something that I even try to just make myself do. Because if you start taking days off, it's hard to get back into the groove. It really is. So it doesn't have to be long articles or anything kind of writing every day. I think it's very helpful for the process. Like, it's a good thing. And um, so I think there's, there's a lot of good stuff you, you mentioned there. And uh, Roto Fanatic, like I said to you before the show, I talked to Govier about your guys' tools. I'm still learning them, but there's a lot to like. there. The Data Monster tool, the Barrels tool that we're going to talk about tonight, um, that, that Park Factors tool. I've, I've, Like I said, I've made a point in my articles where I use it to tell them where to find it. And I don't even work for the company. So it's like this is where you need to go to get your part factor. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have uh, coming up next. It'll be a lot of fun there. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And um, you know, before we get on with the show, I just want to congratulate you on Tout Wars. That is an incredible
1: accomplishment. That that is amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I, I I don't know really what else to say, but uh I woke up to the DM a couple mornings ago and I was just like okay. Didn't <laughs> didn't expect this to come through. Like, cool because um, and I've had a lot of people reach out, like through DMs and just like, on the Twitter and everything. And it's pretty cool because you know a lot of people make fun of these big, like you know, analyst. I call them analyst leagues. Yeah, I understand the stigma of experts. I get that. I'm not an expert at all. Right. I even told people I'm going to prove to you these are analyst leagues, not expert leagues. But um, I, when you start in the industry, if you're starting because you love actually producing content for fantasy sports, you look up to towers. You look up to those things. So I, you know, when I started, I never thought. Like I just did this podcast because I love talking about baseball. And then I started writing a little bit. And then I, I got that. I was like, that's pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah. Like people think it's silly when I get kind of like really excited about it. But I'm like, no, it's uh, it's pretty much what your goal is. That's one of the end the end games right there. So. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Once again, man, that it's an incredible I,
1: accomplishment. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, let's get into the recent news. And these are just kind of blips because we really haven't any signings, really haven't any trades. Uh, they start playing games this weekend, so we might get to actually see some data from all that but um a couple of things here dodgers are expecting cody bellinger to be ready for opening day even as of uh, wednesday cody said he's feeling great which most players will say but uh, if he's ready for opening day that's kind of a concern because like a month ago there were reports that he's kind of slow from recovery and everything if he's 100 percent come opening day are you still in on his draft price like in the round one early round two in a 15 teamer
2: yeah. So in my uh, in my rankings and my projections, I have I kind of baked in that slight injury risk he has into those projections. And I kind of see him as a guy on the turn, as you said, late round one, early round two. I mean, if we keep getting th- this good news that he's going to be healthy for opening day, you know, I'm happily going to take him on the turn. in a 15 teamer probably pair him with, you know, wh- luck- if a starter falls, probably not. But, um, yeah. you know, that
1: strategy for another day. But, yeah, I could see I could see taking him where he's going. Yeah, I haven't grabbed him yet because I, I was concerned because you know shoulder injury that's right in line with sap and power. And if you're drafting Cody, you want that 35 plus homer upside with the steals, which is great. But if he's only going to hit like 20, 25 homers, well, you can do that later on. So right. it's uh it just makes it a little different. And the news is good, so maybe come middle into March after he gets like four home runs in the spring, we'll see what happens. Yep. Um want Moncada? This is a guy that I'm a big fan of going into 2021. I've kind of. I, he even said COVID basically made it very difficult last year. He's the one that actually spoke about it. So I'm giving him that pass. Like I'm just throwing that one out there. He's, um, this was new to me. Cause I didn't think he was hurt at all, but he's got arm. They didn't say where the soreness was in the article. It wasn't shoulder. I, elbow what, but he's limited on throwing right now. Does this take you, make you take a step back on your arm on right now? A little bit. It, it always seems like he's dealing with some sort of ache and
2: pain, right? If it's yeah. not like a full blown injury. Um, yeah. The interest there's a couple interesting points here one being you know the white Sox right now don't have like a true dh they're going to play Eloy in left field maybe they could put mancada at dh let his um let his elbow or whatever is bothering him kind of heal up that way um but it just kind of seems like some there's something always wrong with him and i you know i want my guys in the top in the first 10 rounds to basically be like relatively risk-free i know that's virtually impossible but if someone is already dealing with something in spring training, it kind of backs me off just a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's like you already know you're going to draft 29 to 30 players, and you're going to get a handful of injuries no matter what. So drafting a guy already with an injury is probably like, am I really going to go do that? Like, what's the, what's the especially early in the draft? Like you're saying, right? Take take your risks later. Yeah. Um,
2: with Mancada, did you hear that he um he's like trying to become a pop star? He's yeah, been making heard, music and everything.
1: I heard that on uh, was it Under the Radar. Under the Radar. Heard, yeah. That's what I heard it this I, morning. That's the one thing with that show that makes me laugh because they dig deep on things that I would never think of finding. But, yeah, I guess he's made a music video. Yeah. But they made the point to say that he's going to put it on hold during the season and it will start again in the next, which made me feel better. But, yeah, I had no idea. I, I Almost part of me wants to go look it up.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> so, something that could be playing into that arm soreness is like, was he not like training as hard in the off season because Did he was he? doing this music stuff? Like I'm not, I don't want people putting words in my mouth saying yeah, like sure. he's not focusing on baseball. But I mean, it, it's something that might have to be yeah. considered.
1: It's a valid concern. It really is. Like you know, there's, it'll be interesting. You, you, you've you know Jeff Kent fell off his truck, washing his truck, hurt himself. Uh, there's guys that have skiing accidents. Now you have all these contracts where you you can't skydive, you can't go skiing. Now you can't make pop videos. <laughs> That'll probably be like the next one. It's going to be <laughs> so funny coming up here. Um, J.D. Martinez, obviously we all know had a rough 2020 and a lot of that was credited. Many said to the lack of video he could watch, which is a big thing for some of these guys now, but, uh, he flat out said in the interviews on Tuesday that he wasn't ready for 2020 and, um, all offseason he has been working on his mechanics. Like he, he said he flat out was swinging at pitches he never swung at before. He was just a mess, which is kind of make me, makes me step back and go. So that wasn't even an, an, an in game situation. That was just a general situation. So, what's your thoughts on JD now? Yeah, I, I
2: think I read that same interview, and the words like the quote, like chip on his shoulder, was in there like seven times. Yeah. And, and I know that's kind of cliche, but we've seen JD Martinez kind of like do this before, turn around his career completely. You, as much as I love stats and projections, you can't quantify will and determination. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I could see JD completely. When I say completely, like how about eighty-five to ninety percent of his peak seasons, he could probably be a top twenty-five bat again, and you're getting him so late in the draft. Yeah,
1: it's it's awesome. Like I'm pulling up his ADP in online just for the month of February. They've completed fifteen drafts. His ADP is ninety-four. Yeah, like <laughs> you're starting if you, like you said, if you get eighty to ninety percent of JD Martinez to pick ninety-four. That's pretty good. He's he's always had the bagging average. I like, throw thirty-plus homers in there. Because that Red Sox office, the team as a whole, is not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to score runs. So.
2: Right, right, right. And then on, um, on under the radar, they mentioned how like Catal Marte was pressing, being too mm-hmm. aggressive because of the short season. Sounds like JD was going through the same thing, swinging at pitches he never would have felt that pressure. Probably from he he said he's a, he was not as prepared, so he's obviously taking those preparations now. The only thing that's preventing me from taking JD in a draft is that I still love Nelson Cruz. Yeah, and I'm obviously not drafting two utility guys.
1: That's a big downside. Now, if you're playing on Yahoo, they're using 2019's <laughs> eligibility, and hey, right. go get him! Yeah, because right. Nelson Nelson Cruz <laughs> is going around pick 90, so like they're three to four picks apart right now. Yeah. And yeah, I'm think I'm with you. I'll take Will Nelly in that one for sure. Um, Texas Rangers. There's a lot of people that are high on Sam Huff as catcher, um, and I'm. I'm not one of them. I, I believe that it's Trevino's job for now, and you'll go from there. And even some of the beat reporters are saying they love Huff, but he's going to start in the minors once he and maybe gets called up mid-season or so. But this will really put temperament on it. Uh, Sam Huff hamstring injury, likely not to start the season in the big. I like get they're already out saying it. So can we all agree now? Do not draft <laughs> Sam Huff. Do not draft Sam Hunt. Okay, just want, do not. I do wanted it. to mention that. Like, I knew this wouldn't take a ton of analysis, but I just wanted to mention. Can we agree that the news is there? Right, right. And they they traded
2: for Jonah Hine too from Oakland, right? So like yep. they definitely have options. Um, the only sort of analysis I can give here is that I really like Francisco Mejia as like mm-hmm. a back end second catcher, third catcher in ball leagues. So obviously, yeah. staying completely away from Huff.
1: Yeah, but I mean, he is a guy that I'm just like begging that the new change of scenery and hopefully every day at bats, he can click back into his offensive prowess. Like the defense has always been a question. That's why they tried to play him at third for a while and all like that's been an issue. But his bat was never one. Right. So like let's figure that out. And even the way he finished 2019, he finished it hitting really good. Right. So I'm I'm curious there. Uh let's talk uh Toronto Blue Jays, Tyler Chatwood. They signed him and many thought, you know, they've had six or seven pitchers there, maybe six man rotation. Well, they've come out and said Tyler Chatwood's a late inning reliever, so you can cross that one off the books. Um any other blue Jays thoughts over here?
2: Yeah, I think you know, I think with Chatwood being a late inning reliever, that kind of gives me hope that Ross Stripling is going to be yeah. sort of in the rotation, maybe make eighteen to twenty starts. He was an all star three years ago in that rotation. Yeah. I think he's he's still going around like ADP four hundred, if not later, after the news that, you know, he's potentially not in the rotation full time.
1: I think he's a great late round dart throw. Yeah, he's He hasn't even been drafted in an online league yet. So that'll tell you how late he's going. So he's going in draft champions, best balls, stuff like that right now. Like even his teammate, Robbie Ray, who I'm not advocating drafting Robbie Ray, he's going to pick 320. So there's late Blue Jays value given the ballparks they're going to pitch in this year, Dunedin, Buffalo, whatever, might not be great. So something to keep in mind there. And the last bit of news we have here, Brett Anderson Signs with the Milwaukee Brewers and is expected to be in the starting rotation. Now, again, not saying run to go get Brett Anderson, but this is a team that's always looking for starters. He's usually pretty reliable in a deep format. Is he in play for you? Or is this just like a pure streaming option? Honestly. Just maybe based
2: or biased because I'm a Cubs, I'm a Cubs fan. But he was on the Cubs for whatever year that was. He made one start, like three innings in, had a bulky back, didn't pitch again. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at his metrics, like sixteen point two percent career strikeout rate. Like I, I can, it's really hard for me to get behind that when he um, he hasn't really he's pitched more than one hundred seventy five innings. I think just once in his career. Given that everyone is going to have shorter innings, it's not as much of a concern. But I think there's better late round dart throws than Anderson.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, it'll be interesting. Maybe he has a couple weeks we can stream him or something, but I don't see the, the long term viability with Brett Anderson. and on the flip side, I saw today, I'm a big Freddie Peralta fan. They just already said they're stretching him out and I'm I'm intrigued there. I'm not expecting him to start in the rotation, but he could have a kind of Josh Hatery type role from back in the day and that could turn into a starter or something. So I like that quite a bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. The weird thing about the Brewers is I feel like they have like four of the same starting pitcher with like Hauser, Lynn Blom, Anderson, and even Eric Lauer. It's just like they just want to somehow eat innings to get the Devin Williams, Peralta, and Hader. It just seems like.
1: It could be a couple of like you mentioned four or five guys or it could be two starts every week where it's like an opener and then like two guys go three innings each and they get to the bullpen like right. that that could be it real easily and honestly for the brewers that might be their best strategy <laughs> so <laughs> yes. something to think about um all right let's talk about this fastball barrels board uh, it's, it's very intriguing to me because as stat cast grows as data grows um barrels is still one of those stats that we know is one of the stickiest There's there's more sticky stats that have been coming as more smart people like yourself, keep learning and developing them. But barrels is one of those that we can go to and go, okay, this is something we can trust. Now, you made a barrel board. What is the fastball barrel board?
2: Yeah. So at its most basic level, the fastball barrel board is trend analysis for barrel rates on fastballs. So what that means is I'm looking at um, 2018 barrel rates on fastballs and comparing them to 2019 and 2020 combined barrel rates on fastballs. And seeing how the percentage increased or decreased, I combined 19 to 20 because I didn't think 20 had a large enough sample size. We know that barrels are sticky and very predictive. However, just to be sure, I did combine 19 to 20. So if you're looking at the barrel board, the y-axis is the actual barrel rate on fastballs for 2019 and 2020 combined. For example, Miguel Sano had a ridiculous 27% barrel rate on fastballs. Just like insane. The x-axis is showing the increase or decrease from 18 to 19 to 20 combined on those barrel rates on fastballs. Sino I believe, had a 13% increase from 18 to 19 to 20, which is also absurd. So you'll see him in the far right corner. Uh, yeah. just, that's just an example. Um, the fastball barrel board, to me, is a great place to um, kind of start a deep dive of, of analysis. We know that barrels are sticky. We know that fastballs are typically thrown at least fifty percent of the time to a batter, so we know that those outcomes are important. So if I can see if a pitch, if a guy, you know, improved a lot, like a Sano on fastballs throughout the past couple of years, or on the flip side, like a guy like Tyler O'Neill, you'll see him like on the very <laughs> bottom left, which is kind of absurd because we always look at him as like a power masher, like just killing baseballs. That really fell off in nineteen and twenty. So those are, you know, those are interesting things that I like to pick up on and then kind of start. Um, my deep dive of analysis based on that.
1: No, I love it because like you said, it's a kind of a starting point, which is, I think that should be for almost any stat we use. And I know Matt Williams, who you work with at Roto fanatic, I, I'm in uh, some group chats with him and he mentions it when he tweets out like a list of players based on a stat, he said, you want to have a list and you want to have like one or two names that shouldn't be there. Right. And it, it makes a ton of sense when you think about it, because that's what makes you dive in more. So, like just seeing Tyler O'Neill by itself makes you want to like look at Tyler O'Neill and go, Well, what's going on here? Right. Or uh, like on, on the flip side, his teammate Harrison Bader is like yes. all the way on the other side. So it's like when you think if you were just thinking outside the box without looking at the sheet, you would think those two guys would be flipped. Exactly. Exactly. And it actually makes sense that Bader has a
2: full-time job in center field yep. and O'Neill is riding the bench. Like after you look at this analysis, you're like, it actually makes sense now.
1: Yeah, like you got guys like Brandon Lau who I like always refuse to buy into, but you look at the growth from 18, 18 to nineteen twenty, just this 19 and 20% barrel rate. And just like, he's right next to Gary Sanchez for crying out loud. Like, yes.
2: yes. It's crazy. It is. It is. And the best part about Lau is that he saw fastballs in 2020, about 47% of the time. And a typical hitter, will see him 50 to 55% of the time. So it's not like they can throw him less fastballs. He's already at the very bottom edge of that. I don't see, I don't see him getting less fastballs. And I, and to me, that gives him more of a floor than the fantasy community in general uh, wants to give him.
1: That's a great point. See, there, there's another argument for Lau, like you mentioned, I'm trying to find them and I struggle, but when you say like the you know average batter faces 50% and he's getting below average, like you're saying, this is his floor. So that that's pretty awesome. Cause maybe I don't even know what's here, but maybe there's some, one of these guys in the green who sees like 65% and I yeah. like, okay, well, now if he faces a steady off-speed diet for like two weeks, this could get really – he could be Tyler O'Neal.
2: <laughs> so right. exactly. this could be really
1: scary. So that's interesting as well.
2: Exactly. Yeah, like um, last year I did some expected batting average uh, by uh, pitch type, and what you were saying happened exactly with Ian Happ. Ian Happ um, in 19 – was absolutely miserable against fastballs, and he saw like sixty percent of them. I'm like, there's no way he's going to be good, and then he completely proved me wrong. So this this analysis, of course, is not foolproof, but like like we both said, it's like a great way to just start looking at guys who jump out at you who otherwise wouldn't.
1: Yeah, and there's some that you'd expect, like you got the big power hitters, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are up in the left. Uh, but then you got guys like Chris Davis, who's been struggling with Chris with a K, who's been struggling lately, yes. and. He's far on the list, so maybe there's another thing that kind of rings a bell and makes you want to dig into, did he see more fast – or more off-speed pitches or just not hitting fastballs? Like, I'm trying to see where he's at on the list, but maybe i have to, like separate it. I'd expect Keston here to be somewhere pretty interesting on this list. But, um, yeah, this is a really cool – like, Josh Bell's over there, a guy that I'd, I've struggled to buy in on. So um, – yeah. When you're using this, so you're, you're doing the fastballs here, like you said, like about fifty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have any interest in using like an off-speed one?
2: Yeah, my goal, you know, with this, I've got a baby coming on the yeah. way, so we'll Congratulations. see. Congratulations! Thank you very much. Uh, so the goal, the goal is to get a breaking ball barrel board going and an off-speed barrel board going. I think it's going to bleed into the season, but I think it'll still be early enough to where it'll be relevant for uh, for folks to uh, to kind of take a deep dive and understand exactly how where. Um, their fantasy hitters are, you know, make making their hay. Basically, is it on fastballs? Is it on breaking balls? Um, it's it's going to be super interesting analysis. Um, what I try and do after I look at the barrel board is I try and tie in the Data Monster, our other new tool. Essentially, that is looking at plate discipline for hitters. It's basically taking into account how often a hitter uh, swings in the zone based on pitch type, location, as well as uh, pitch count. Uh, for example, like Brandon Lau, Gary Sanchez, they swing and miss all the time. Like there's just no way around that. And as a result, their influence on you know them swinging is low. For example, if David Fletcher is batting and he swings and misses, that's a much bigger deal than a guy like Brandon Lau or Gary mm-hmm. Sanchez because David Fletcher never swings and misses. So yeah. the pitcher has to. The pitcher really had a great influence. I'm getting Fletcher to swing and miss just because he never does it. And on the flip side, I'd say like a guy like, like Shane Bieber, like he's going to get guys to swing and miss all the time. Like Brandon Long, Gary Sanchez are probably going to whip on them a lot as well. But then you take a guy, say like Ryan Yarbrough or uh, Brad Keller, like you would expect them to not whiff as much, but if they're whiffing on all types of hitters, which the data monster kind of shows that they are, it kind of says like, okay, there might be a lower batting average floor, which we already know with those guys. And it's just kind of, taking into account certain in-zone swing rates, out-of-zone swing rates, things of that nature. It's unique by every single player.
1: So you're telling me this should be called rabbithole.com? Because you're just going to – like, this is, this is crazy. Like, So I'm on the hitting leaders page. We're just going to keep – this is the fun part about having my own show. We can just divert right now. Absolutely. So, um, so I, like you mentioned, the hitting leaders, so we're on the data monster now. Yeah. And um, so, like you said, there's whiffs, end zones. You can pick whatever you want there. Um. Oh man. Yeah. You can have a lot of fun with this. Um. Yeah. Yep. Can you and you can do multiple players at once? It looks like I'm, I'm seeing here. So you can type in more than one. Yeah. But yeah, you should be able to. Okay. No. I'm just just trying to to play with this. This is this is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm gonna have to play with this some more. Um. So when you start dissecting all this, like this could be used for DFS purposes when you see certain teams yes. facing certain pitchers, which I can see being fun. You mentioned um a breaking ball leaderboard eventually, and I totally understand you won't have the time for it right now. But um, once you have all that, and I'm pretty sure you probably already thought out the big plan. But just out of curiosity, as of somebody that might consume it, would you have it eventually where you can pull up just one player and have the chart for fastball and breaking balls all in one for like the one player? That would that would
2: be absolutely the goal. Um, okay. All of this stuff is on Tableau right now, and I am very much a novice at yep. Tableau, hoping to learn the ropes sooner rather than later, try and get that all up to make it as pretty as Alex Chamberlain's pitch leader board. That would be pretty legit. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the goal just to get that all encompassing profile.
1: I think that's yeah. what we all want that. And then the other part I was curious of like right now on your barrel board, it's 18 verse 1920. Yeah. Do you ever plan on having it where it's like up to date to the, to the day of, of like gameplay that would, I mean, that's definitely a long term, yeah, a
2: goal. I would say I'm not good enough at coding or things of that nature yet. We Paul Mmino though, the guy who the guy behind the Data Monster, he's really good at coding. I think that is something that if we put together, you know, put our heads together, I think that is something that we could do down the road. Given that barrels are so sticky, I think that would make sense just to keep getting it updated because we, yeah. we would know significant changes
1: by like probably May. Exactly. I don't think you you could because you know. When we look, when, like, Savant first started, or even on stuff on Fangraphs, the rolling grass tools, you start seeing, like, a a three-week sample or a two-week sample, and all of a sudden, you see these things change. And you're just like, oh, boy. So you start throwing the barrel stickiness into that, and you're like, okay, something's changing big time now. Or all of a sudden, the guy that couldn't hit off speed pitches is hitting off speed pitches. Did he do something different? Exactly. and then you can be ahead of the curve, type. Exactly. Stuff.
2: Yep. And I feel like I got some validation from this because Eno Saras just came out with a barrel article today, and Harrison mm-hmm. Bader was in it, and he's one of the guys that <laughs> I highlighted in my article yep. two weeks ago. So I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to start the hashtag Bader bro and see how, there you uh, go. how far it gets me.
1: <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. If, if, if Enos on something and you're you're on it as well, that's uh, always a good thing. But that that never stinks. So um, that that's pretty fun there. Um, I'm just, I just keep scrolling through this thing. It just mesmerizes me on um, the different ideas behind it, and the different names. Um, any other takeaways you'd like to tell the listeners as they're going through it? Like you did the comparisons, you looked at, then, like in the article, you, you have Gary Sanchez and Lau. Like you mentioned, you broke down their whiff rates and all that kind yep. of stuff. Uh, there's Harrison Bader, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other takeaways you'd like to give them for now? Is it still kind of a, as you said before, it's still kind of a work in progress and everything But what are you, what's your goal with it for your fantasy analysis for 2021? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. I think overall, like I want this to drive engagement amongst the fantasy community. I think that there's so many different statistics out there that people kind of get lost in the weeds. And I think that barrel rate should stand out as one of the prominent ones we use. And I kind of want the audience to take this in and ask me, ask me the questions so I can help, you know, get the community to learn more about certain players. For example, Doing this analysis, I found out that Gary Sanchez had a zero, zero, zero average on 30 fastballs down the middle last year. Like, I probably wouldn't have found that out otherwise, unless I was looking, you know, at his barrel rate, went down to the plate discipline, saw that, things of that nature. I really want to give people those edges to help win their leagues. That's the ultimate goal. I think that's why we're all kind of doing this to help each other
1: out. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you there. So I'm looking forward to where this continues to go. I'm probably going to pick your brain on it some more. I guess I'll ask you this right now because – so I have it open in Tableau. Are all the players not in this pool?
2: There should be 400 (laughs) – I'm going to quote my article. 477 hitters should be on there because they had at least one barrel in 18 and at least one in 19 or 20.
1: On a fastball, I'm assuming. Yeah, on a fastball. Yeah, so Keston here is an odd barrel one in one of those. Because, yeah, because he would I mean, not debuted 18. in 19. Yeah, That's I mean, why. I just yeah. thought about it. Once you just said it, it dawned on me. I'm, I said you're yeah. scrolling for him. like, he's not here. Where is yeah, he? Yeah, that, that makes not sense. It. No, it makes 100% sense now. See, this is why you the smart one. Um, but all right, this is pretty cool stuff. I'm going to enjoy playing with this some more. But uh, let's head over to points leagues drafts. And I think sure. it's a lot of fun because, in, um, in or at least this season alone, but in recent years, like best balls have been picking up steam in uh, on fan tracks and other s- sources. And those are points leagues, but there's already been points leagues going for a while. We just don't talk about it as much because in the mainstream it's Roto and it's head to head, but points leagues are big. I got points leagues head to head. There's all kinds of different formats to go off of here. Um, you just wrote an article at fantasy pros talking about some players uh, values that change based on uh, points leagues. Just for like the starting point here, because we're gonna kind of do like an open strategy discussion here. What's your, um, what do you see the difference between like a roto league and a points league? That when you go into a points league draft, you changed your thought process on.
2: I'm not sure if this is like a hot take or like a lukewarm take, but I personally I feel like points leagues replicate real life baseball a little bit more because it takes into account how deep a starter can get into a game. It takes mm-hmm. account into account guys who get on base more. And as we haven't fully adapted to OBP leagues, we're still on average leagues. I think points leagues really get us there. And I think that, you know, I kind of hit on the main things I'm looking for. But really, it's those guys who get who walk, like Carlos Santana, guys who get hit by pitches, Anthony Rizzo all the time, guys who ne- who don't necessarily hit a lot of homers, but hit a lot of extra base hits. And um, there's, for hitters, a le- less of a focus on steals, since they're typically, one, not worth as much. In points leagues, and two, you get dinged for usually caught caught uh, caught steals. So a guy like uh, Alberto Montesi, like he could steal fifty bases. One that's not as big of a deal in points leagues, and two, if he has like an eighty percent success rate, he's probably still getting caught around ten like ten times. So it's like a net of like forty stolen bases, which isn't as big of a deal as just the full blown stolen bases you would get in Roto. Um, on p- for pitching, I'm really focusing on innings pitched and guys who. Um, typically, pitch for better teams because wins are worth a lot. Maybe one day that will change as mm-hmm. you know our game advances, but that's how it is now. So if I'm in a tiebreaker between a guy on you know the Yankees versus a guy in the Orioles, I'm probably going to take the Yankees guy in points league
1: Yeah, no, this is just kind of lines up with some of the best ball strategies I've I've been discussing the points format, and I I like how you it, it's it's true that it does line up with real baseball more, like you said, because. There's certain teams that value stolen bases, certain teams that don't. But um, you know, you go to certain teams that, like, I'm a Giants fan. We don't hit a lot of home runs, but there's a lot of doubles and extra base hits involved, and we win some baseball games. So right. it's 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 not. There's different ways to play baseball. So I do appreciate that with the best ball league, and it makes drafting best ball teams much or not points league teams. I'll keep trying to say points league points league teams different because, like you said, is you know in a rotor league, modesty's going in late round two, early round three these days. Right. Where in a points league, I think he's going around like round five or six in some of the best ball points leagues I was doing. And that's just because people want him on to see. Like he could have kept falling from he, he
2: should have kept falling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that that's that's very possible. And it, it, I think if it, it really the the biggest thing that I do when I go into a draft is I look at OBP. Like that yep. just makes like like you mentioned it, like guys that walk more and everything. I want guys that just get on base and then things can accumulate from there, because 'Cause you're thinking about just accumulating stats. Right. Not, like, not a specific stat per se, but just accumulating stats. And I think that's very, very important. Um, and then pitching, I agree with you. One thing, you could literally leave a a points league draft with zero relievers yep. or zero closers if you want. Yep. Can you expand on that? I know you kind of hit on it, but can you expand on why that is and why it makes sense? Absolutely. So one, <laughs> closers and relievers, they're not pitching as many innings.
2: You typically get one point per out. So if a closer is only pitching three um, – you know, three outs, you know, twice a week, plus a save or two saves are, you know, saves are worth, you know, a decent amount of points, but nothing like a win. Um, I would, yeah, based on that, relievers are just like, that's not the focal point at all.
1: Well, yeah, and, and just to elaborate on that some more, like you mentioned, like you get a closer, say he pitches three innings in a week. He gets, you know, he gets your nine outs, but he gets you a one save and like six strikeouts. Right. That's great. Now you have a starting pitcher of seven innings, strike out eight, get a win. Like he just trumps all over your deal. So if you can literally put, say, you would have had three relievers in your your lineup that week, substitute that in for three starters. Maybe one of them the two start pitcher that week. You're just you're flying through the point system. Exactly, and typically
2: you get dinged negative points for blown saves. Yes, exactly. So so it's like if a save is worth five or seven points or whatever, but then a blown save is like three or negative three or negative five points with how volatile saves are. That's really, that's a lot of risk to take on.
1: Yeah. It's very, very volatile. And um, a lot of the starting pitchers in points leagues also get quality starts points. So even, even if they don't get the W it's like, it can be like six points for a quality start and like 10 points for a win or something.
2: Right. Yeah. You're really just, you're really compounding there. And even if they do take the loss, if they're still on a quality start, you're probably netting to around zero points rather, rather with the reliever who, you know, pitches one inning strikes out two, but puts two guys on. That's only like three positive points.
1: Yeah. It's a, there's much more, I guess, uh cushion with your starters than a reliever is the best way I'll say it. So, and part of me, I think when you, when you go in, in a points draft, if you do want relievers, a wait till later and B, I'm cool with taking like the Freddie Peralta types, like we talked about earlier that might yes. throw three innings in the middle, but you know, they're in line for wins. Like right. you're not worried about the saves. Like um, the way the Dodgers use Julio Urias in the playoffs. Yes. Give me guys like that. Yeah, yeah. Like here's, here's a
2: deep name. Yes. Petit, yes, Petit, the guy in the yes. Oakland A's like, he regularly pitches like 80 to 90 innings out of the pen, which is a recipe for wins.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great one. So that's something to think about or, yeah, I guess the best way I can say it, if you if you don't go for the long guys like the Petites, Peraltas, which I think is the way to go, um, go for the seventh and eighth inning guys. They might run into saves later on, but if anything, most of the time they're not in the highest leverage situations. So when they're out there, they're getting the outs, getting some strikeouts and making things work. So yes. it might it might run into some wins.
2: Yes. I think um I think one of the reasons that points leaves aren't necessarily talked about as much is because i feel like those leagues are so customized based on points that it's hard to follow like one list yeah um but for guys who do projections you should be able to reach out to those guys and say hey can you kind of input my points into your projections and see how it comes out like i'm sure there are guys you know you know me me at roto fanatic and others you know would be happy to do that it's you know a relatively simple excel formula if you already have those projections
1: yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, I know another simple one that I've used in the past because, like, the bar leagues and OVP league. So uh, again, not points, but has the same idea. Um, you can go to the Fangraphs auction calculator, and you can customize mm-hmm. that, and then plug in whatever set of projections you want, and right. it'll spit out it'll spit out values for you, which should give you an idea of where things kind of go. So, right, I think that's good as well. Um, when you're drafting, say in a points league, and I haven't drafted in a real like season points league, only best balls. In a long time but with pitching coming so important starting pitching Mm -hmm. how starting pitching heavy do you go yeah that's a great question when I first started out in points
2: leagues when I was doing like the projections I was saying wow these hitters really outscore all these pitchers why would you take a pitcher first and I'm like well wait it's the actual opposite you can get hitters so much later you need to push up the pitching so if I could get one of the big three and Cole DeGrom or Bieber in the first round um you know, of a points league, I'm absolutely doing it. No questions asked. And even if I'm in the back end, even like middle to back end of that first round, you know, I've got guys like Giolito, Kershaw, like guys who are going to eat innings.
1: I think you can make a case for them definitely being in the first round. Yeah. And you mentioned the the eat innings parts. Um, Do you see certain pitchers that maybe in like a roto format that you're not so excited about, but in a, a best or a points league, uh, there's dallas Keuchel of the world that are boring but get pitched a lot of innings maybe still not in points but i think he has some validity there uh, we know kyle Hendricks; he's picked up steam over the last few years but for a long time he wasn't too exciting do you see yourself more attracted to some of those guys instead of the flashy high strikeout volatile guys or do you still like uh, both i i mean i
2: definitely like these innings eaters when i was listening to um the tag team podcast that Matt Williams and Mike Simeone did, they drafted Marcus Stroman and Sandy Alcantara on their same team in Roto. And I almost turned it off just because <laughs> I, 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 I don't like either of them in Roto because like because Al- Alcantara, he has a high walk rate and he only has like a 22% strikeout rate. And if he's pitching 180 innings with that high strikeout rate and his ground ball rate, the whip is going to be high and you're carrying that whip for like an additional 30, 40, even 50 innings on some of these guys. And that really compounds on the whip on your whip and your ERA, in my opinion. So, drafting guys who have high whips in Alcantara and Stroman, and putting them on the same team in a roto league, I, I I wouldn't do that personally. But in points leagues where that's not as big of a deal, and you're getting so many more points for those innings pitched, give me those types
1: of guys all day. Stroman, Alcantara, even 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 Matthew Boyd,
2: throw them on my yeah. team.
1: Well, see that there's 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 why we talk about it because like Boyd. Um, I'm guilty of obviously if you're in a, a standard redraft points so league, you wouldn't be going as deep as this, but in 40 and 50 round leagues I've been doing, I have a ton of Danny Duffy. Um uh, <laughs> just because he's he's the the SP one for the Royals. Right. Like he's yep. pitching every fifth day. Um and then in best ball, if he has bad weeks, you just kind of they don't count him, so that's nice too. But so different in, in your points from where you have to play them. But to the point is you mentioned Boyd, I mentioned Duffy you can take some of the uglier names. Yes, Like it's really not going to kill you. And so that's where the strategy comes into play that I kind of want to get your thought on. So I'm with you. I go pitching heavy early. And then it feels like after I have, like I don't go like three in a row or whatever, but I want to kind of get two to three big time arms early if I can, that I just know are going to be there. Then I feel like I can take a break for a while and like load up on bats. They have a confident kind of starting offense that I like. And then I can just backload on a lot of these pitchers that I just know are going to get innings. They're in the rotation, all these kind of deals. Do you have a similar philosophy or how do you go about attacking the draft as a whole? If
2: I'm, if I'm in a league and I know my league mates, I know that they're not as, um, you know, percept, they don't have that perception that innings eaters should go earlier. I will absolutely take that break, draft those guys that we talked about. Um, even like John, like if you're in a deeper league, like John Luster, like he's going to eat yep. innings. Like he, He's not that great anymore, but that's another guy you can target. Um, but if if I'm in if I'm in a like a pretty pretty competitive league and guys are pushing starting pitching up early, I might not necessarily take that break depending depending on the arms available. For example, I probably like Chris Paddock to bounce back more than the average uh, fantasy analyst or you know someone in a competitive league. So if I see him on the board in my range, I'm probably not taking that break. I'll probably pick him up. Uh, things of that nature but otherwise I'm generally in agreement with that
1: yeah no and I I like that point you made there's there's no set in the stone like when certain guys drop you just go and that that brings up a a side question that may it's not even points related Um, Paddock and Lamette are two guys I struggle tremendously with 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 San Diego mainly because they have two pitches and they they're saying they're working on a third but I still haven't seen it yet and that terrifies me um, you, you like Paddock. Okay. I'm not gonna going to argue there because he's going, he's at least going at a reasonable price this year. Last yep. year, I was so anti, I was screaming. People argued with my rankings. I had him like ranked 45th or something. I'm like, just no. The whole point is do not take him where he's going. Like, no, it doesn't work. But um, Lamette, you're either in or out pretty much what it feels like. But the interesting question I had is in the recent labor draft, Scott Pianowski took him and he was all excited about taking him. And at first, I'm sitting there going, what are you doing, Scott? Like, I just, I don't get <laughs> it. But then I heard him explain it. And his explanation, I think he got him like in round 12. Okay. And something, something along those lines. And in theory, where his ADP or where he's going is much higher than round 12. And we know that if he stays healthy, which with him is a humongous if yeah. right now, he's much better than a round 12 pick. So he's, he's basically like you're talking about if Paddock falls, you take him. Like Lamette falling, he's like, okay, I couldn't like pass him anymore. It's just like at that point, not a points league question. Where do you stand on Denelson? On <laughs> would you be willing to take a gamble on a guy Denelson like LeMet like Scott Pianowsky took? That, that is such a tough question because, because I'm,
2: could, I'm struggling with it. I can I could <laughs> tell you I could tell you an answer, but I'm not in the draft right now. Yeah. And if I saw like my initial my initial reaction is no, I'm not taking him unless it's like outside of pick say 150. But yeah. if he's on the board at like 130 135, I might I might think about it depending on my pitching. The thing I struggle with Lamette is like he could have three starts be out for the year. Like we've seen that happen to him at multiple times now. But even if he pitches the first half, gives you sixteen starts, and then he goes on the injured list for the rest of the year, those sixteen starts were probably better than a significant amount of guys uh that you would that you probably drafted ahead of him because you were concerned about the injury
1: risk. So it's kind of like I struggle with that question too. How is that kind of how you see it? Yeah, that that like you just hit one of the big parts that's starting to go for me is Okay, like I just pulled up his ADP for the month of February. He's going around pick ninety two, give or take. But now, if we're talking around twelve in a fifteen team league, that's we're back end of almost getting towards two hundred range. Like we're like one seventy ish, big gap. You're you're talking eighty picks or so. And I'm with you. It gets to the point, like so, like when you're drafting early, you need those guys to be your rocks. But back later on, like there's James Paxton now, which all of a sudden I wasn't in on before, but I'm I'm intrigued by his price. Same. Another guy, another guy that I, I haven't been able, like a similar feeling to Lamet that I have is Patrick Corbin. Just for the fact of where he's getting drafted, I'm, I'm still very hesitant because the velocity change and everything. But the point to your question is where they're going now. Say they take breaks or whatever, is 104 like 130 quality innings now better than what you want for like 180? And that's an interesting question. And that's where – because I used to be a big fan of that a couple of years ago. Like even with a guy like Steven Strasburg, I said, give me 150 good Strasburg innings because we know he's going to get hurt. But when he pitches, they're always very good. Right. And let me fill it in with somebody off the waiver wires while he's hurt. And right. then we, you put that together and that's a pitcher. That's the conundrum with the Nelson Lamette. Like I was so anti Lamette, and then this happened in labor and it made me start thinking. Yeah, and, yeah. It's it's an interesting conversation. It doesn't have to be just about Lumet. Right. It could be about like I've like mentioned Paxton, like you just said, where he's going in drafts. Now I am all on board. I'm yeah. like, let's let's do this. Um, so does that make more sense on kind of where I'm? Because I think we're kind of on the same page here.
2: Yeah, def- I fully agree. And I think the point hits home even more in this season when guys probably aren't even pitching 180 innings this year. It's going to be yeah. more around the 150s, probably the average. So 80 innings of LeMaitre looks all looks way better now than it would two years ago, or hopefully in a year when things are back to normal.
1: I'll bring this back to the points league now, but it, it, it still kind of surrounds even Paxton and Lamet because they're playing on two of the teams so far that are rumored to have six man rotations or they're heavily thinking about six man rotations. Uh, Rob Silver came out with a, a great breakdown doing the math on, like, say, you Darvish, if he X amount, blah, blah, blah. But now the six man rotation, 44 fewer innings, 36 fewer strikeouts, whatever, something like that. A, that could help Lemet a ton. By get, by letting him have that extra day's rest right. every time, that could be tremendous. Like, again, it makes the argument even stronger for a later round. Lamet, um, when you're in your points league drafts, though, back to this where we talk about innings pitch being so important. In this year, where inning pitched, we already know, like you said, are going to be down. Now a team potentially has a six man rotation. Are you hesitant to uh, approach those teams? So. I feel like I'm unique in the fact that I
2: have like my own set of projections. Uh, they're based on Mike Potters, uh projecting X and I, I'm con- I'm constantly updating projected starts based on when I hear about those six man rotations. So like the Padres having a six man rotation, like I'm already aware of it. I'm already filtering through mm-hmm. how that, um, you know, the adjustments I need to make there. So I'm, my draft strategy isn't necessarily like changing, like on the fly in that regard. Um, but say a guy like, take Lamette, take another second like the SP two on another team. Um, let's say like Charlie Morton. I know that's not the best example because yeah. he has an injury history, but he's actually been but pretty. But it makes up. sense. It makes sense of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I would probably take Morton because he's got a he's got a relatively higher floor, and he's yeah. probably pitching more innings.
1: Yeah. See, this is where I think that that's why I'm glad we're just having this discussion on it because I think everyone's just looking at six man rotation as a a, a negative. And I think there could be some positives to glean from this. Yes. And I talked with Simeone about it a few weeks ago on my show. And he said, you know, you look at the Mariners last year. They did it a lot with Kikuchi, where he had an extra day almost before every start. And look how much better he was last year. The the Vila was up every start. So it, gets the, it goes back to our original point. Okay, he threw fewer ins, It could have resulted in fewer strikeouts. But he might have got you more wins. His ratios might be great, and he's he's popping the glove and doing his thing. And instead of going five to six innings every start, maybe he's going, he's pushing seven almost every start, maybe eight. Like he's doing things that just kind of keep compiling for you. Right. Um, and that's where Paxton, I think, going to Seattle's awesome. I got, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Right. Um, do you see any other guy? Where does the Spitball, we mentioned Corbin, Paxton, Lamette. Are there any other guys, and you mentioned Morton, that all of a sudden, with kind of the, Talking around different changes and in the innings concerns, all of a sudden look a little more appealing than they once did. So
2: I've got a I've got a few names left here, and this first guy I'm going to mention it kind of goes in the opposite direction of what we're talking about. Dylan sees.
1: Oh, I love it though. Okay, talk
2: to me. The White Sox have no rotation depth. Ronaldo Lopez is probably going to be their five, Kopech in oh. the pen to start out. It's absurd. Seas should pitch a ton of innings this year. And in a points league, that's what we want. And he has so much upside to be a breakout, to have breakout potential, right? In a roto league, I'm still probably staying away a little bit just because of the ratios, but in
1: a points league, I want that all day. Yeah. I love the C's call ADP of 337 in the month of February. Um, he's a guy that I've said time and time again. All right. So I'm glad you mentioned Dylan Cease because he's very, very tilting. Like a DFS circles he's fun because you can pick him where you want to use him from time to time. But he can be so annoying at times because his controls is an issue. His stuff's amazing. Like, if he ever locks it in, he's so, so good. I mentioned he's going way into the 300s in picks right now. Um, when you look at him, just like on projections, like on fan graphs and everything, people, I don't know, he's kind of all over the board, but um, you know, like mid fours ERA, if, if not higher, but still almost a K per inning. Um, where do you see Dylan Cease going this year? Because all the early reports out of camp are pretty high. I mean, I still don't see him being
2: the guy that everyone wants him to be this year. I think that's going to take another year or two. But where he's going in the draft, there's really not a whole lot of risk. After pick 300 is what, like SP7, SP8-ish territory? Like that is definitely worth the risk be- because he's going to get those innings one way or another – even even if he's ineffective, like he's probably still going to pitch, just because that rotation is just
1: kind of like a big three and then a lesser big three, small three. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a great call. Yeah, they got their big guys up top and the back end iffy. It's just crazy to me that so Cease is going at three ninety two, Kopech's going at two ninety seven, and they already said they're going to baby his innings. Like he's, I'd be shocked if he starts more than a handful of games this year. And so I, I don't understand that at all personally. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I kind of I
2: might be on the high end here, but I've got C's plugged in for like 170, 175 innings pitched, just because there's no one behind him who would take us take a spot. I I do have the mid four ZRA as well, which is kind of a bummer, but it's probably realistic.
1: Yeah. So. No, it's very realistic, and if he gives you those innings, you can kind of like go, okay, we'll we'll make that work because he's yeah. going to get you so many strikeouts, and on that offense with that offense behind him, probably a lot of wins too. So right. that'll be very very uh, promising as well. When what what brought on our points league discussions is the article you wrote at, at Fantasy Pros about players values that change between points leagues and categories leagues, and you already talked about Edelberg Thomondesy for obvious reasons, like you mentioned stolen bases and everything else. But um, you have Lou, I call him Lou Bob, Luis Robert <laughs> on here. What is it that changes so much for you? Uh, you have Roto ranked thirty four points, ranked ninety.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know that's kind of surprising, but the main driver of that is. One, he derives... Well, two, there's two main points. One, he derives a lot of his value from steals. A lot of people projecting him for 25 to 30 bags. Like we talked to, uh, previously, those just don't mean as much in points leagues. He does have a pretty good success rate, 80 plus percent, similar to Mondesi, but still, we know that steals don't mean as much. And two, he strikes out all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. About 30%. I don't... I We saw how bad his September was. I don't necessarily see him cutting down drastically even to like 25, 26%. I still see him being in the upper 20% and that really drags down his value because you're typically getting minus one for every strikeout.
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense because he's that's his big bugaboo right now is that batting average of just point discipline as a whole is very tilting. And then for those that have looked at the article, you have you have a couple of first basements here, but one that is guy that I'm just loving in a big way is Carlos Santana in Kansas City, hitting in the middle of that order if you want to talk OBP, that's your guy. Like that's, that, that's pretty awesome stuff. So he, he comes into play, but you mentioned, um, on some other notables, I just want to ask you on Heimer Condolario What is it you see for a points format for Heimer Candelario?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, the default answer to those questions really is walk rate. He yeah. is just, he's an absolute beast. at walks like he's a, he's over double digit walk rate and where he's getting drafted. So I'm not sure of his ADP right now. I, it's at least, it's like it's post 225, I would have to say. You I got it pulled right. up. I got it right
1: here. Um, yeah, 264.
2: Yeah. So, like, the fact that he's going so late in Roto and that the fact that he walks so much just bumps him up so much. And I believe he has first base and third base eligibility, which is, which is also which is also significant. But really, it's those
1: walks that are just yeah. driving him up. That makes a lot of sense. I'm on some of the fallers. You have Nick Madrigal, which I, I don't understand why he's getting drafted. Where he's getting drafted to begin with in a roto league? So obviously in a points league, he's the number nine hitter. People, number nine hitter for the White Sox. He's yeah. not in for any. Not he won't for any power. If you want a guy like his profile, maybe a few less steals. Wait and get Luis Arias later on. That's what I'd recommend. Um, but you have Tim Anderson on this list, and this is a fun one for me because you know if we can already we we can argue our, we're blue in the face is the bat sustain sustainable? bang, never sustainable? Whatever. Um, but obviously, he doesn't walk a lot. Is that the biggest reason he falls here? Yeah, he doesn't walk a lot. I know he's a little controversial
2: with steals; like he'll steal a ton at one time, and then he won't steal any for like half a season. But
1: really, it's um, it's that he doesn't walk a whole lot at all. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, pitching fallers, you have Michael Kopex right there. Yep. Um, but you have Lance, like a lot of these are the rookies, and I'm, I'm guessing it's an innings thing, McKenzie. It's all innings. Howard, do not draft a young yep. guy in a yep. points league. Sixto Sanchez. Yeah, I know this makes a lot of sense. That's why it stands out like a sore thumb. So it's kind of everything we talked about before. If people want to come read this article, you're going to see why it comes into play because uh, Carmen you know, paints, paints a nice picture for you on this. But what I want to ask you is on the risers part, you mentioned Boyd, you mentioned Cease. Mm-hmm. Are all of these guys innings-based? Because like Marco Gonzalez is, is such a pit, like a tilting name <laughs> of some right now in the Roto world. I love him because to me, he's kind of like the boring Dallas Keiko, but better. Um, yes. so what do you have on Marco? I mean,
2: it's me, it's honestly mainly those innings, but I do see him with, um, some upside. I know that Simeon loves the quote or quote him saying that, you know, I want to prove people wrong. I want to be better. And mm-hmm. kind of like how we talked about JD Martinez, you can't quantify will and determination and trying to make yourself better. And I see him doing that now he is of course going to be in that six man rotation, but he's definitely making that start every six, every six day. He's not going to get skipped. He's one of the few you can count on for at least 107 innings pitched this year.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love Marco. It's it's just my my question for you, I guess, is what we're going to say is we're going to. I know we're talking points here, but I'm going to pivot this back to a roto format. Sure. Um, let me find his ADP here. His ADP is 170. Is that too high for you? I feel like
2: just a little bit because he doesn't necessarily have that strikeout upside that you'd yeah. want which is kind of a the killer there. But in terms of just like a steady, like I would say mid to high threes, ERA, tons of innings. I think that's what you're going to get from him. And of course he's got a low walk rate. So he's going to have a low whip. I mean, that helps you out in three of the five categories for sure. It kind of depends on roster construction at that point. I know that's kind of like a cop-out answer, but if you've got guys like a Kershaw or like an Aaron Nola up top, who are just going to give you a ton of innings, maybe maybe Lance Lynn is your SP2. Um, you're probably not targeting Gonzalez as you know, in that range, but if you've got like Walker Bueller and kind of like and you got like Ian Anderson and Sixo Sanchez, probably don't have all three of those guys on your team. But if you end up that way, you're definitely going to want to target Gonzalez as your yes as your SP four there.
1: Yeah, Gonzalez is the perfect play. Like if you have your early starting pitcher picks are massive strikeout guys. So you're not really concerned about that, you can grab a Gonzalez to just help your ratios out in such a huge way. So I like that quite a bit. Um, definitely something to look at there. If we were going to tell people that are maybe trying to get into a points league for the first time, what um, – which we, we pretty much said OBP innings pitch. I was like that's kind of the two kind of starting points. Do you have any other recommendations on how they should start their research or anywhere they should go look? I know Fantasy Bros has points league rankings. Not sure if Fanatic does or not. Not many sites do. So um, where would you kind of tell people to give a look
2: yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think fantasy Pros is eventually going to come out with points leagues rankings that that'll be helpful. Um, on my website last year, I did have points leagues rankings up. Um, if there is a lot of uh, a lot of people want these points leagues, we can definitely make it happen. on roto fanatic. Uh, I've got them ready. I know um, um, the guy who made Park Factors, Crosby Spencer, he's got his own projections coming very soon. He can do that as well. I think we're, we would be happy to provide those if the, the demand is there.
1: Yeah, I don't know how big the demand is yet, but I think it's gonna be coming. Just because, like you said, is you know we've seen more leagues already kind of try to go to the quality start from the win, and then yep. there's saves and holds and OBP and like the Tout Ward's league. I'm gonna be in literally. I don't know if experimental is the right word. But it's a new league with a new format where instead of wins, it's innings pitched, and instead of saves, it saves and holds. Yep. So like that, they, they Ron Chandler wants to try new things out. So we're we're mixing and matching things. Basically, it's turning into a points league. Is yes. what it's, it's what it's turning into without, but it's still going to be Roto. And so I think in that essence, we're going to start seeing more and more leagues go to it. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how that goes.
2: Absolutely. I think two other key points I'd like to make. Um, I think that points leagues are a great way for kind of a beginner in fantasy baseball to get started because you don't have to worry about roster construction necessarily as much. Aside from the fact that you probably want to pitch up pitching, push up mm-hmm. pitching a little bit more. But you don't in roto, you have to worry about balancing, you know, 10 categories between hitters and pitchers, whereas you're just looking at points in total. I think that's a lot easier for people to manage. And then, two, if you're uh, pressed for time, I would kind of go to fan graphs and basically mm. do like sort by a filter of high walk rate, filter for like, say, maybe like over 40 to 50 doubles from 19 and 20 combined, and see who kind of doesn't have a lot of home runs next to their name because they're probably going lower in Roto because Homer's counting Roto, not in points. That's true. But if they're hitting a lot of extra base hits, I think that that's a guy you would want to target who you could get a slight edge on because no one else is probably looking at that.
1: That's a phenomenal point. Like that really is because no one's looking at those guys. And um, that's, that's sneaky. Good. That, that's interesting. Cause they, they do stand out a lot because they're still getting on base. They're getting doubles. They're in scoring positions. They're probably scoring runs. Um, they're probably hitting for an okay average. I like guess that's, that's very intriguing. And then I like your pitching side of it. They're, Look at the, that scenario as well. So that could be quite telling. That's a that's a new one. I have not heard that, that scenario yet. It's very, very intriguing. Um, let's get into our listener questions. It's like a four part listener question. So yeah. this, will, this will be fun. I love it. I love it when we get these. It's just like, yeah, let's bring out the whole the gamut here. Yes. So um where is I have it right here. Davey Lou at sports underscore nut fifty one S. Who are your top 10 ten first baseman's targets in points leagues? Um I I'll I'll give you the floor because I don't have points rankings. Sure. I can tell you some guys that stand out to me that should be in the top ten, but who do you have?
2: So I've got my top ten. How about you say yay or nay based on okay. this list? All right. So Freeman number one, yeah. Bellinger two, Rizzo three. Just, just like yeah. between his OBP and his hit by pitch rate, it's just yeah. like he goes insanely up. Jose Abreu, Paul Goldschmidt. I'm higher in Goldschmidt and Roto than most, so maybe Ooh. you don't like him at number five there. DJ Lemayhu. He kind of falls in points leagues. Doesn't walk a ton. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I know that's a controversial name in general. Yeah. Um, Forty-two pounds lost this yep. offseason. Not sure. Not sure if that's honestly like the best thing for him because he might not be as familiar with this new body of his with yep. his with his timing and his stance. I mean, you know, I'm not a professional hitter, but that's something that I think we have to take into consideration. And then uh, rounding out this list, I got Pete Alonso. Matt Olson and uh, Mike Mustakas. Okay. The,
1: the name, I, I love the Rizzo at three. That's one I, I thought should have definitely got a bump up there. I love Carlos Santana, but I understand he's not in the top 10. I he's eleventh. I mean, yeah, he's he, 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 like, I could see arguments to make him in there, but I'm not going to argue that cause I get it. The arguing one I have, sure. and maybe it's cause I have a, I have a soft spot for him, but when it comes to OBP leagues, I think he's tremendous is Reese Hoskins. All right. Now, right. like, um, when it comes to OBP, let me pull it up here so I don't completely misquote it, because even when he struggles to get an average up there, his OBP is good. He's been 396, 354, 364, 384 in his career. So he's he's never crushed you in OBP. Um, even when he hit 226, he had a 364 OBP. His walk rate's no lower than 13% in his career. Um, and then if you look at his... 2019 and 2018 numbers, like the the batting average dropped tremendously, but a lot of the other peripherals were like almost in sync with previous seasons, if not better in some instances. So I'd, I'd have to dig in deeper, like Savant and everything. I think he just gets really overlooked because the average is kind of a bugaboo, but in an OBP points type system, I think Reese Hoskins deserves a little more love.
2: I think he's lower on my list just because of a function of his off season injury. Yeah, that's and. I have, him, I have him plugged in right now for 600 plate appearances. If he's fully healthy, he's probably approaching 650 to 675, and then he would easily be in that top 10. So yeah. that's the only qualm I have with
1: him. And the guy I'd probably replace, and this is one where people get mad at me a lot, but you already have him lower than most, is Pete Alonso, Only for the fact that I don't think he's a bad and average guy, which is going to affect his OBP. But... The recent reports at a Mets camp is with all the depth they've added, they love Dom Smith's defense at first base. So there's maybe not a complete platoon, but you're going to see Dom Smith there more, and if anything, late in games as a defensive replacement. So those are at-bats you're going to be losing from Pete Alonso.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair point. Um, a clear double-digit walk rate, which we love in points leagues. Yeah. Of course, he does strike out at a career 26% of the time, which is higher than league average, so he gets a bit of a dock there. I think I think where we're going to differ potentially is those plate appearances. I've got him at let's see,
1: so I've got him at six hundred twenty-five plate appearances. Yeah, I, and I'm just spitballing off the top of my head. I'd be willing to knock off maybe a hundred. Oh wow! It, right. if, yeah, that's if 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 the talks that they are serious about defense because they loaded up on pitching, so they want to support their their guys. Yeah, I don't know. True. Maybe injuries take place and they move guys around, but they want J.D. Davis on the field. They want Don Smiths on the field. So there's a point where a hundred's probably too much. Like I, I, I get it. But if we just say forty percent of the games, because as a defense replacement, there's forty at bats right there. Right. And then say he starts, he he platoons a fifth of the time. So there's twenty percent more. That's what, let's say 80, like seven, no, probably like 50 at bats. So we're getting close to a hundred. If you start penciling it out, it just gets interesting. A little yeah. more interesting there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't taken him in a mock or a real draft this off season. I feel like when I see the name Matt Olson, I just think yes. of upside and he's right after Alonzo. So I feel like I'm more
1: apt to target him. Yeah. I love, I love Alonzo. I've, I've preached last year. I take a um, I mean, Olson, Olson over Alonzo, and now that Olsen had that horrible batting average last year people are so scared of him but he was still a good OBP guy like you're basically pointing out and i don't think that average was like i think the lowest of the low for him like that's not happening again he's at least like a 240 to 250 hitter yeah one, if he's if, if he if he's doing that if not better his OBP is going to be great he's going to hit you 40 home runs like yeah
2: i took i took a dive on Olsen i couldn't and he had one of the lowest babips in 2020 And Babbitt in itself is not a leading indicator of anything going forward, but I did a deep dive to understand how he got that low Babbitt. And I couldn't find any difference or change in his plate discipline or basically how where he hit the ball, how hard he hit the ball. That would render basically like a bottom 10 Babbitt. Like we know that's going to bounce back.
1: Yeah, it seemed like he just got extremely unlucky at times. It was just a weird... Weird deal, but overall, I'm pretty much with you. I, I grease is my biggest one. I love that you moved Rizzo up because Rizzo and Goldie in, in Roto are kind of getting disrespected. I got, yep. I'm with you. On, I'm with you on Goldie too. It's one of those guys. I used to never draft either one of them, but now where they're going, you sit there and you look and you're like, am I really passing this up right now? Like, right. it's not. They're not sexy at all, but they're consistent as they like. You can almost pencil them in right now as long as they stay healthy. You're getting this stat line. Exactly. That's, that's very comfortable. <laughs> yeah, Goldschmidt has averaged over six hundred and seventy-five plate
2: appearances, I think, for like the past like six years. Like yeah. we know what we're getting with him. I don't understand
1: why he's going so late. And and I and I think there's two things. It was his first year last year with the Cardinals, so I'm gonna kinda let that kind of sink in and I see him being better. Plus, I kinda write off a lot of the Cardinals situation last year with the COVID and, and having all the double headers and everything. Those guys were in a world of God knows what. So, like, I, 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 I see Goldie having a much better year this year. Plus, Arenado's going to be hitting behind him. There's, there's a lot. To, at Carlson's full season. There's, there's a lot to like about the Cardinals, which is scary because Twitter loves the Cardinals. Yeah, as so, a Cubs fan, I don't love that either. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. Um, all right, next question he has here. Um, any over 250? Yeah, you mentioned Votto in your article. Santana's there. There's going to be a handful of them. Fast 250 for sure.
2: Yeah. The, another a couple other guys I didn't mention in the ar- article include Miguel Cabrera. Oh, uh, that's a great one. Yeah. He's he's an excellent points league target in deep leagues. Even a guy like Brandon Belt. Like he walks mm-hmm. double double digits. Um, we talked about Candelario. And uh, <laughs> this is, this will be an interesting one. Evan White. He had an oh, awesome oh, walk yeah. rate last year. He struck out every pretty much every time he didn't walk, but he mm-hmm. walked.
1: Yeah. No, two, two things there. The Belt com- uh, comment. I'm with you. T- uh, Big time! I drafted him in OBP leagues almost yearly as a late like corner infielder or something because you know don't expect him to do what he did what last year with power like that's AT and T is not going to do that for him. I, I've preached put him in any other ballpark and he's a twenty five plus home run guy every season. Yep. So, but he walks a ton and he's going to continue to do that. So I think that's a great call. And then um, Evan White, I've actually gone to bat with him. I wrote articles about him last year. And I did a little bit about him this year for some pieces. You mentioned the BABIP and then the strikeouts. If you look back to any other season he had in the minors, anywhere else, none of this stuff looked like Evan White. Like, you could, you just you just start breaking down everything he did. I think he was pressing in his first year. I would be shocked if he didn't bounce back and have a very nice year this year. Like, I really – he just – everything that could go wrong went wrong for the kid. It was yes. just a bad deal. All right. Um, are there any uh, picks over 250 ADP second-base gyms and points leagues that stand out to you? Oh
2: man! All right. Um, I forgot about this part of the question. Full transparency, I'll no let problem. you run with it, and I'll I'll say yes or no.
1: <laughs> no problem. Let me just uh, second base. We're gonna go post two fifty, and obviously this is for roto. I don't have a points league ADP, but guys that stand out to me. I'm a huge Colton Wong fan, especially in OBP leagues. Uh, so he's be leading off for the Brewers. He's two sixty five. I take him in roto leagues, OBP leagues, and points. You're even better because he's gonna walk a ton and score a lot of runs for Milwaukee. So I think that one's intriguing. Uh Tommy Lestella, if he's got regular playing time, he walks a lot as well. He'll be leading off for the Giants at 330. Uh Jonathan Scope doesn't walk a lot, but pick 360 is intriguing. Um Cesar Hernandez at 377, leading off for Cleveland. He's another one. So there there those are a few and there's more. If you like um I'll drop I'll, I'll drop one. Yeah. You know. Adam Frazier. He's Great gonna one. play every yep. day, and
2: he's yep. he walks a good amount. Uh yep. I, I think you said David Fletcher as well. Yep, uh, just like guys who are going to accumulate plate appearances and walk a lot—that's the guys you want in those deep
1: targets for sure. Yeah, basically, if you can get guys like you said, the, pe- the plate appearances, just to save it even easier, if you got guys that are hitting first or second, and you're getting them this late in drafts, go get them. Yeah, like that's that's pretty sweet. That's why I love Colton Wong. It's like Caesar Hernandez, never yes, appreciated. He he's picked three seventy-seven. He's probably hitting lead, lead on. Yep. So it's it, it's crazy stuff. Um, the other question he has. Who do you target in points leagues more so than in Roto Leagues? Essentially, which players get the biggest jumps in value? We kind of hit on that, but do you want to reiterate real quick?
2: Yeah, for hitters, you're looking at guys who walk a lot, get hit by pitches a lot, like Anthony Rizzo. And you're looking at guys who get a lot of extra base hits that aren't home runs. And you're trying to fade guys who steal a lot of bases like Mondesi and Luis Robert. For pitching, you're really focusing on those innings, those veteran innings eaters kind of fading guys like Tristan McKenzie and Sixto Sanchez who probably won't get a lot of innings this year. And you're I'm, te- I'm trying to look for guys who pitch on good teams as well, although wins can be fickle.
1: Yeah, they can be fickle. Um, but that'll wrap us up. I've had a blast even with the technical difficulties chatting with <laughs> you. I apologize for that, but um, that's always fun. The podcast version, will, that'll be edited out. The uh, video version – that's going to be what it is. Um, but before we take off, why don't you everybody, once again, know where they can find you and what do you have coming up that uh, they can look forward to?
2: Yeah, so you can besides, find me at-
1: Besides your, your little one. <laughs> yes, yes, besides
2: maybe <laughs> coming in a few weeks, yes. Yeah. You guys can find me at Carm's Clubhouse on Twitter. Uh, my main work is being done at Roto Fanatic. Like we said, you can find my fastball barrel board out now, hopefully getting up and off speed and breaking ball barrel board soon. Paul Mamino and I are trying to work on this project where we're trying to understand um, innings pitched increase jumps and how that impacts K minus BB percentage. We know that K minus BB percentage is the most predictive of all pitcher stats, and we want to see based on how those innings increase lead to increase in performance or decrease in performance. No promises on that analysis getting done with everything going on, but we're going to try our best.
1: That sounds that that sounds pretty cool because especially in this era right now where we might have fewer innings pitched like okay well if we knock them back 30 innings pitched does this increase uh, that's intriguing that yeah that would be
2: helpful for 2022 as ever, yeah. as innings really ramp back up
1: after that yeah that'll be cool to to check out but yeah carmen uh thanks for joining me man i really appreciate it. i look forward to chatting with you again sometime yeah absolutely bob and again congrats congrats on tout wars Appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 345. Go check out Carmen Mayorano on Twitter at Carms Clubhouse and at Rotofanatic Fantasy Pros, all the good stuff. We'll catch you guys later.